Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, AFC Team Previews Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and happy Wednesday. Great day to be great. Week 10, we are here. Joining me, as always, PFF's finest, Kevin Cole. Kevin, happy Week 10, man. Look at this, double digits. Yeah, we're in the double digits week, and we're, we are going to review the AFC today. Okay, we will, but I know why primarily most people are tuning in at this point. Yeah, they want to hear the AFC stuff. They want to hear the fantasy takeaways. They want the advice. But they primarily want primarily want an update on my search for a catchphrase. That's the <laughs> primary thing that people are looking for right now. So if you remember last week, those of you who may have missed it, I realized the, the power harnessed. And we already saw it in this episode. Ian, you know, great day to be great, all that stuff. Uh, King State Kings, all that stuff. So I need something. I, I tried some out. Let's be honest. It wasn't. It wasn't a ten of ten. You know, was no, I was not winning the dunk contest with this. With, with this one, the, the catchphrase contest. But the listeners came 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 strong here. So let me let me highlight one in particular. Kevin M. Schnell at Tribe Gymnast, which is kind of an interesting uh, Twitter <laughs> handle here. So he reached out. And he said, here's some possibilities that I, that I heard in the AFC pod that maybe you could go with. So the ones that he, that, that he, that he, that he pointed out that I was saying, he says, uh, first is it's all playing out. Eh, I'm not so sure about that one. Second one, not great, Bob. Well, kind of play. I mean, that's kind of played out at yeah. this point, played out in, in, a, in a different fashion. So I'm, well, we could skip that one. Comps are bad. Mm, okay, this one. But then he hits gold here. With Ninja gets it now. If we remember, <laughs> just, just just to let everyone know, we're having a discussion on kickers, um, prompted by Bill Belichick calling uh, Nick Folk the smartest kicker that that he is these days. So we have, and we talked about a Ninja tweet. And I just want to remind people this Ninja tweet. He says, "I'll never understand how college and NFL football teams allow kickers that just." ellipsis dot 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 miss kicks. I feel like there has to be a pool of kickers in the USA that won't." miss simple kicks or snappers that won't mess up snaps i don't know seems so silly would love opinions on this now that was that we said ninja gets it right there right so do you know i did some re- research on it and i found out more into ninja his level of gettingness is actually higher than i would have thought going into this you know he's a big football fan Ian. really Yes, yes. He's a, he's a big Detroit Lions fan. So congratulations, Ninja, uh, on that victory in this last weekend. But even beyond that, I'm looking back in the guy's timeline. 
And go back to September 25th. If people, people may remember this or not. They were playing against the Minnesota Vikings. They missed a long kick. They had a, they had a chance later in the game to go for it fourth and five or kick a 50-yard field goal. They choose to kick the field goal. They miss it. And Dan Campbell said regret after the game. But in the moment, Ninja here, September 25th, a uh, tweet here from Ninja says, shout out to the Lions kicking a field goal, fourth and four from 50 yards after missing a 40-yarder early in the game. Incredible play call. Okay, of course, being sarcastic here, but he gets it. <laughs> Ninja gets it. The analytics on this one, which was an obvious go-for situation. So I don't know exactly how to use this going forward. Ninja gets it, but I, this is definitely up at the top right now, I think, of the catchphrase uh, sweepstakes. I woke up this morning. I made a pot of coffee, and I spent the next two hours prepping the show sheet that we're about to talk about, Kevin. I got 2,700 words on here. You can argue <laughs> that's a little too much, but I just love that uh, you know we get into this, and apparently you put in a similar amount of effort into the ninja gets it catchphrase. Yeah, I mean, the, the important that. stuff. The yin, the, the yin and the yang, you know, they talk about there for this. So we have to have that. You do the football stuff. I'm like catchphrase, pop culture, uh, Twitter, whatever the newest Twitter meme is, is coming out. Those two things come together for us. Ninja gets it. And with that, Ninja let's get it. into the AFC East. First place, your six and two Buffalo Bills. Something that we talked about on this very podcast last week, Kevin, was Josh Allen having a little bit of a tendency to still have those, you know, boneheaded turnovers that obviously were a lot more frequent in the first two years of his career. But when he's such a damn world beater all the time, it's tough to be too critical. But we saw that kind of rear its ugly head again last week. And you start adding it up. League-high 17 turnover-worthy plays this season. Nobody has more combined interceptions and dropped interceptions. You hear that, Dolphins fans? I don't just bring that up for Tua. I'll bring it up for everybody when it's applicable, and right now it is for Josh Allen. And, yeah, part of that is the Bills being such a pass-happy offense. But even in terms of turnover-worthy play rate, the only guys that have been more prone to turnover-worthy plays, Taylor Heineke, Zach Wilson, Jameis Winston, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. So, It's just a reality of the situation, Kevin, but if there is going to be a way to stop this Bills offense or at least slow them down, we've seen it. It's having Josh Allen be careless with the football. Again, just something that we've seen a little bit, just a side effect of the Josh Allen experience that we just need to live with or something more in your opinion. Um, No, I think it's just it happens from time to time. Uh, Even Patrick Mahomes had a ton of dropped interceptions uh, a year ago, so it can happen. I think more importantly, when we're talking Josh Allen, we're talking what's going on with the elbow here. So now the elbow, we don't have a lot. Uh, Maybe this would have been breaking newsworthy later on in the pod, but so far, uh, Sean McDermott says he is day-to-day as of now, and he is not practicing on Wednesday. So he's not going to practice on Wednesday. He's day-to-day not answering any detailed questions on his medical situation and he may play or he may not play. That's all we got for this week. Gotta love it when you know, Sean McDermott says he's day to day, and then we get you know ten national reporters immediately telling us that Sean McDermott said Josh Allen is day to day, and no added information, of course not. God forbid, uh, you know we got some inside sources there, but for now, day to day, he said we'll see on if Allen plays. And as we saw with the whole Justin Herbert, uh, you know, rib thing going on earlier this year, I'm sure if Josh Allen, you know, wakes up five minutes later than normal, you know, we'll be the first ones to know about that going on. So ESPN's Chris Morrison did say that he's being evaluated for damage to his 
ulnar collateral ligament ucl and related nerves uh yeah i probably should have just said ucl there ian but what was so wild with that kevin was he hurts it and like he skips the ball in and he holds his elbow and it's like my god like is josh allen incapable of throwing a football now very next play no joke 70 yard bomb in the air but seemingly hit gabe davis in the chest but couldn't quite come down with this so this week at home against the vikings the bills are five and a half point favorites the game total is at 45 and a half if allen is out kevin we're going to be getting case keenum under center a little bit of a revenge game action there look we'd still be firing up stefan Diggs without hesitation but without josh allen i think that'd be the only guy i'd be even willing to throw out there even someone like gabe davis would certainly be out of that wide receiver two conversation more so boomer bust wide receiver three and the backfield yeah singletary kept on keeping on as the lead back last week but naeem hines was barely involved at all something we do expect to change so no allen we're only trusting Diggs. yeah I think so. I mean, last, you know, I don't know if it was last season or two seasons ago when we had the Trubisky coming in. They actually looked okay. They were fairly pass happy. I do think this is like in their DNA to be fairly pass happy. So in a week where we have a handful of teams on by, you know, if you got to throw, if you got to throw someone else out there, Dawson Knox, maybe a tight end, you know, if you have to, you throw him out there, maybe you look at that. If you have to throw Gabe Davis, which, you know, everyone's like, I'm sure the Gabe Davis truthers would be back doing their victory laps again eventually sometime this season. But obviously the floor is pretty low for him, even when Josh Allen is there. So maybe you can throw in one of those guys, but you're right. No confidence in anyone beyond Diggs. We did see Isaiah McKenzie's, you know, full-time role pretty much come back last week. Khalil Shakur wasn't quite as involved. So, again, we're not starting McKenzie if Allen's going to be out of the picture, but something to keep an eye on for teams with extra available bench space. Second place, six and three. New York Jets coming off that huge win. They are on a bye this week, so we'll have more on them next week. But, hey, rare good game for the Zach Wilson experience. Love to see that. Again, more on that in Week 11. Takes us right into the other six and three team in this division, the Miami Dolphins. So, I, I came this revelation the other night, Kevin. I think Tua is good at football. Not great. I think he's good. Is that allowed in 2022? Is that fair? Tua is good, not great. No, that's definitely not allowed. That's <laughs> like that's the worst. That's the worst you could do. You can either be like hating and then getting into the combat. If you just say he's good, not great, not elite, then you know, oh my God, you're just you're just opening yourself up from from all sides. Uh, so I'm gonna say this. People are saying this year proves that surroundings matter more than anything else for all these different quarterbacks. Maybe, uh, although you have guys like Patrick Mahomes, who seems to be thriving after leaving, you know, Tyreek Hill leaving here. Um, I think that Tua is probably better than we thought. He is, pro- I mean, did be- he's number one grading and efficiency right now. So to be that that high up, I think you probably have to be more in the great category, maybe on the lower side of great, not elite category, in order to get that sort of boost. I don't know if you can get good all the way up there because even Alex Smith, I've made this 2017 Alex Smith thing, he was not you know number one in the league in efficiency at any point in time. He was up in the top three for a significant part of the season and then falling off at the end. So he's even gone beyond the upside that we would see for a quarterback like that. And at this point with Tua, I think the conversation is so focused on his arm strength and the underthrows that we just kind of disregard like that. That's only, what, 15%, you may 10, 15% of a quarterback's throws, you know, more seasons than not anyway. So we're basically only looking at something that Tua is doing on a tenth of his plays as it is. And guess what? I, I watch these plays. Yeah, they don't look great. They're still effective as hell. Style points at the end of the day don't really matter. And you can look at PFF passing grade. He's second among 32 quarterbacks throwing at least 20 
yards downfield. Maybe you hate PFF. Okay, he's second in passer rating, first in yards per attempt, first in adjusted completion rate. So as much as it's annoying when he, you know, badly underthrows Jalen Waddle, almost should have been a 77-yard, you know, dagger to the hearts of the Bears to end the game last week when Tyreek Hill was catching a 40-yard pass. That should have been a 60-yard house call with a great throw. We're kind of grading him on these deep balls against perfection. And I don't think that's really fair, especially when you consider it's not like Patrick Mahomes never underthrew Tyree Kill out there. You have two of the fastest wide receivers in the league. Those things are going to happen. So Tua, one more thing on Tua real yeah. quick here. I also think there is like a Jimmy Garoppolo analogy also for what he's doing there. Not throwing the ball necessarily that well to the outside and deep. But having the willingness, timing, and accuracy to hit those passes over the middle of the field. It seems like, oh, these guys are always open. These guys are always open. Well, it's not easy for a lot of quarterbacks. We see Russell Wilson. We see Kyler Murray. We see other guys who don't throw the ball over the middle of the field. I don't think it's just because they're open for Miami and they're not open for others. These are dangerous passes where you have to be able to you know, spatially recognize where all the different receivers are and get the ball out on time. And he's doing that extremely well in the same way that Garoppolo does, where that can just kind of just be discounted by a lot of people but it gives you yak and it gives you high high efficiency passes it's not just the bombs that are high efficiency a well-timed pass in the middle of the field can be extremely high efficiency also brought it up on the Sunday Night Review, but again, check out PFF Seth Galina's breakdown of kind of the key play the Dolphins have been running this season. Basically consists of five options, and yeah, to Kevin's point, hey, those guys are open. It does take a certain quarterback to be able to decipher those five options and find the right guy to get the ball to each and every play. Obviously, Tua has been doing a great job with that. Now, I don't want to exactly, you know, shout out late great Dennis Green. Crown his ass yet, Kevin, because we did see that fairly atrocious game from Tua, you know, Sunday night against the Steelers with the four dropped interceptions and his bounce back has been against the Lions and a you know depleted Bears defense so I think we'll find out a little bit more this Sunday against the Browns Miami just three and a half point favorites game total at 48 and a half but again all in all this year certainly you know an improvement on Tua versus what I think we were expecting coming into it now the big question in fantasy because we know we're starting Tyreek Waddle even if there's a fire lineups of all shapes and sizes Jeff Wilson versus Raheem Mostert coming out and actually working fairly evenly and Kevin we talked about last Last week, how just by virtue of this being a situation where we knew Raheem Mostert was working well ahead of Chase Edmonds, we didn't with Jeff Wilson. This used to surprise me. I mean, Wilson was actually out there for slightly more snaps than Jeff Wol- than uh, Raheem Mostert, and he was getting the pass down work. So I'm giving Mostert one more week benefit of the doubt, but I have these guys ranked directly next to each other. I guess the question is. If we're going to keep seeing this 50-50 split, it's going to kind of render both guys more as RB3s, which isn't ideal. Do you think last week was just a sign of Jeff Wilson taking over this whole situation sooner rather than later? No, no. I think it's just going to continue to be uh, something where they mix it up. Now, I do think Wilson has equal-ish sort of value when they're both healthy and probably higher value if we're talking about rest of season for the fact that we have seen – you know, Raheem Mostert get injured before. We have seen that happen. Was he still returning kicks? I think he's still returning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's still returning kicks. So that's another, like, pathway to an injury there. So that's what I would say for those two players, if I'm going to rank them rest of season, I would have Wilson above Mostert. I think on a week-by-week basis, it could go either way. But what I would just warn people is, if it happens to lean one direction this week, don't get trapped into thinking that will continue. I think it could flip back in the other direction uh, very easily. These guys can all do everything as they want them to do it in this offense. And I think Mike McDaniel just likes Jeff um, Jeff Wilson a lot. I mean, supposedly the 49ers loved him, and then, you know, a fifth pick was plenty to, to get him out of town. But I think McDaniel likes him. 
obviously still has that top tier handcuff value if something does happen to Moster. So Jeff Wilson, as you guys can see in my weekly running back article, is a tier one handcuff and he does have a good matchup this week. Browns defense, fifth worst in the league in PPR points per game allowed to the position. Last place, five and four Patriots are on a bye week. So we'll talk about Mac Jones and company more next week. And two more bye weeks on the show sheet. This is going to be a quicker AFC episode than usual. Six and three first place Ravens on bye, as are the five and four Cincinnati Bengals. Takes us to the third place, three and five Browns, Kevin. We just talked about the Dolphins. The Browns will be visiting Miami as three and a half point dogs. Again, game total at 48 and a half. So I'll just say, you know, Jacoby Brissett experience fell off a little bit after the real good start to the year. But here we are. It's week 10 and the Browns have the seventh-ranked scoring offense in the league. So for that, Jacoby, you get my two claps that I do sporadically throughout these shows with no real rhyme or reason to it. And now, Kevin, we have a road game in Miami next week, a road game in Buffalo, and then a home game against Tampa Bay. Not exactly the easiest three stretches before Deshaun Watson gets back, but, man, if they can just get one of those, they would be four and seven, I guess, with a chance to make a late run. What are your expectations on this Browns team the rest of the year? Because as much as the offense, I think, has impressed – I mean, I'm not certain that Watson necessarily could take them from seven to one. I mean, the offense really hasn't been the main problem in some of these games. Do you still think the Browns have this sort of overall roster where they can compete in what still is a fairly wide open AFC? Yeah, no, I think they're good enough to compete. They just haven't won enough games, especially games that were winnable for them so far this season. That doesn't mean that they won't be good going forward. And you know, however anyone feels, you know, Deshaun Watson, I know there's going to be a lot of talk about whatever the, the ethics of rostering Deshaun Watson or things like that. So what is, we'll toss that aside now, maybe, maybe for a second, and just say that I'm not big on, you know, stashing quarterbacks in leagues, but sometimes they have a lot of trade value depending upon the leagues that you're playing in right now. He is eligible to return week 13, so that's a ways down the road against the Houston Texans, but – he is eligible to come back and start practicing um, on Monday, this coming Monday. So if you wanted to pick him up, I think that's going to be the day where there's going to be a bunch of news. Deshaun Watts is back in the facility. All this stuff is happening. And maybe you could even flip him out to someone else who may be thinking, oh, this would be a good guy for me for a playoff run for a different team or something like that. That's just something to think about going to be his first action since 2020 again when Watson is out there he's one of only five or six quarterbacks ever to average 20 fantasy points per game like he truly is in that tier one of dual threat upside signal callers will he be that good immediately after not playing a game in pretty much two years remains to be seen specifically yeah, one, one more thing on his scoring yeah. so I look back 2020 he averaged depending upon scoring right so I was looking at scoring setting 27.1 fantasy points per game Ooh. in 2020 which would be QB three so far this season behind only Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Will he do that in this offense, all this other stuff? Who knows? But that's the upside for him. He would be QB three this season. Couple other notes. I do expect Amari Cooper to get shadowed by Xavier Howard, who has been playing through the pain this year. I try to cut these guys, especially that are following number one receivers all over the field, a bit more slack than someone sticking in their side. That said, Justin Jefferson had over 100 yards. Higgins went for 124 and a tutty. Stefan Diggs, even seven catches, 74 yards. And the last time that Cooper matched up with Xavier Howard, actually 2019 Cowboys Dolphins, six catches, 88 yards, and two touchdowns on seven targets. So look, I think we've seen this year Cooper's route running ability more than good enough to win against even the league's best cornerbacks. And at his best, I do think Xavier Howard falls into that group. He hasn't been at his best this year. And for that reason, Amari Cooper, fire him up as an upside wide receiver too. He is my wide receiver 15 on the week ahead of guys like Godwin, Juju, Gabe Davis, Alan Lazard, and more. Final note here, Kevin, Kareem Hunt, 
hasn't been good this year. He didn't get traded, but I was looking at their expected uh, PPR points and Nick Chubb continuing to just overachieve. You look at his numbers every single year and his workload says he's an RB2. You look at the real stats and he is the RB1 because Nick Chubb is a god. Usually, though, Kareem Hunt is not that far away from what Nick Chubb is doing efficiency-wise. Even last year, the hilarious part was Chubb, Hunt, and Ernest Johnson were all like top 10 in all these advanced you know, statistics. This year, not quite the same. PFF rushing grade, Chubb second in the league. Hunt, 42nd among 47 qualified backs. He's 37th in yards per carry, 25th in yards after contact per carry, 26th in missed tackles force per carry. So they haven't gone out of their way to throw him the ball all season. Kevin, Hunt is the PPR RB24 and expected PPR points per game. We haven't seen him be good enough to take advantage of that. Is this just a shitty nine-week sample size, or is Kareem Hunt someone that we really should be more used to putting on the bench than not moving forward? Uh, I think it's more the latter, just because there is a thing with Jacoby Brissett where maybe you don't say he's a rushing quarterback, but he isn't a dump-off sort of quick decision maker sometimes when it comes to those sort of things. He can hold the ball, he can take sacks, although he can sometimes make some plays down the field or even rush the ball himself. So I just don't think he's a good quarterback for that sort of situation. And I don't know, I could go either way on whether or not he'll regress back to being a top tackle breaker. That's what he had been in the past. That was what he was in college coming out. That's why all these running backs who are really great at breaking tackles in college but aren't that fast. We always say, well, maybe he's a Kareem Hunt. It's a great comp, a comp for him and a reason why he can be successful. So I'd like to see that comeback. That probably can come back, but you never know. Maybe he's just lost some of that juice. This year, Chubb leads all running backs 45.2 PPR points above expectation. Hunt is 6.6 points below expectation. So, again, just hasn't quite been the same monster that we're used to seeing. Two-headed monster, I should say, in that Browns backfield. We'll see what happens. Jerome Ford now eligible to return as well. Last place, your two and six Pittsburgh Steelers. But I am here, Kevin, to cut Kenny Pickett a little bit of slack. He comes in week four at halftime against a Jets secondary that we have now seen one of the best groups in the league. And on the season, they are six in EPA allowed per pass play. Next week, okay, now you're the starter. Have fun going into Buffalo against that fifth-ranked secondary and EPA allowed per pass play. Week six, they get the Buccaneers' eighth-ranked unit. He gets concussed, comes back, and his only on paper reasonably good matchup was against this Dolphins defense. That's their worst in that metric. But again, now let's play in prime time in pretty much a rainstorm by the end of the fourth quarter. And then in week eight, go ahead and face the league's top secondary in Philadelphia uh, in that one. So this week they are going to be facing the saints saints favored by two and a half game total only at 40 and a half. But I just think we saw enough out of Pickett that I'm not ready to write him off for sucking. And what's been a horrendous stretch here, Kevin. So overall impression on Kenny Pickett in his first five games. And do you think that this offense, which I believe ranks 31st in scoring right now, can not be amazing, but average? Can we get the average? Uh, Probably not. <laughs> I don't want to say like average is probably like, can we get the 20th? Uh, maybe maybe we can get to 20th that's possible i mean so here's the thing i give you everything you want to add context with with kenny pickett i get that but even if you had you know five straight difficult fantasy matchups if you can't even be a top half quarterback any of those weeks like just by luck just by random circumstance just by getting some rushing touchdowns remember he had those touchdowns when he came in at halftime the first time he had we haven't we're not really seeing a lot of that just something Get something to get into there. That makes me pretty discouraged for the upside on this. Now, he could get better. He's a rookie, all that stuff. But I, normally the leap doesn't really happen like at the end of the season. It happens into the second season if it does happen there. Um, and I think for Pickett, 
we have to also look at our priors on him. I know he was a first round quarterback, but I think there were a lot of things to point out to him. If you're going to say what his downside was or what his weaknesses were as a prospect would be like limited upside in terms of being able to make explosive plays with his arm down the field. And that's coming through, which probably makes us a little bit more confident that that's the case in the NFL. At a minimum, I'm not expecting Pickett to become this viable fantasy quarterback, but we have condensed this wide receiver room to just Deontay Johnson and George Pickens with Chase Claypool, obviously, in Chicago. So talked about this a little bit on the waiver pod with Nathan Yonke, but Nate does a great job having rest of the season rankings up each week for you guys over at PFF.com. And I do agree with the sentiment that Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, not much of a difference. I think they are both quality wide receiver threes moving forward. And at some point, I mean, Deontay needs to be freaking do, man. He's turning into freaking in Pittsburgh Jacoby Myers out there this year's version of Miles Sanders basically where we're getting all the opportunity we could ask for it's just not exactly coming to fruition in terms of the touchdown so you add it all up on the season 76 targets for Deontay Johnson without a touchdown second place is Chris Goblin at 65 Tyler Higby at 57 is the only other player with more than 50 targets without even one trip to the end zone so again with the passing game hopefully going to be better days ahead I would expect uh, Marshawn Lattimore if health from the abdomen to shadow Deontay, but that is not a given out there. And you know what? Lattimore this year has been struggling in his own right in some of those bigger matchups. Final point here. There's been a little bit of smoke on the old Twitter sphere, Kevin, about a potential Jalen Warren takeover on Najee Harris. Now, the first thing was from Andrew uh, Filipponi at the Pony Express and heard some people in the comments saying not necessarily a report. This is a, you know, beat writer who may be saying more so what he thinks or what, you know, he would do versus what Tomlin's going to do. He tweeted, I think Tomlin is benching Najee. I expect Jalen Warren to be the workhorse Sunday, and I give Mike Tomlin credit for doing it. Now, Mike Florio followed up and did say that Najee's not getting benched, but he also is reporting that Warren's going to get a little more involved in today, or I'm sorry, yesterday, we actually had a tweet from Brooke Pryor, who was asked, who asked Mike Tomlin point blank, if Jalen Warren could be made the feature back. Tomlin's response, he's a quality back that's made some plays. We'll keep giving him an opportunity to do so, and maybe he'll write that script. This is a bunch of smoke, Kevin, because I have Jalen Warren benched and stashed on a variety of rosters. Or do you actually think there could be an opportunity for Warren to take over Najee, who objectively has been one of the worst running backs in the NFL this year? Uh, no, I think there's definitely a possibility here. Maybe the upside is a bit capped uh, because Najee will still be involved and they still have the offensive struggles that we're talking about generally. But if you're Mike Tomlin, you're not tanking, right? You wanted to do something. You're just going to pull whatever lever you could potentially pull and just, you know, see what see what happens, see what might work. Maybe that's a lever that he can end up pulling here. And it wouldn't necessarily imperil Najee Harris's status as the lead back, you know, going out next season and for the rest of for the rest of his time there with the Steelers. So I think that's a possibility. I also think, hey, I wish this is almost breaking newsworthy here uh, because it's yesterday. So it doesn't quite make it here. But when Mike Tomlin was asked about how the passing game changes without Chase Claypool. He says, I don't know if it does. Whoa. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> Adjust the ranks, ladies Like, why are we tweeting this gentlemen. out, people? Can we not tweet that out? Can we – who is who tweeted this out? Let me – I got to – Chris Adamski. Come on, Steelers reporter. 
Have don't, some don't do that. Okay, have ahead. some control, Chris. But again, <laughs> not to hate on Najee. I said objectively for a reason. 43rd among 47 qualified running backs. MPFF rush grade, 46 in yards per carry. 37th yards after contact. The only thing he's been really worth a damn with is breaking those tackles. But the Kevin point could also be a sign where you're breaking the tackles and you don't have the long speed to make much of it. So it's tough to overly reward that. So Jalen Warren, again, it's one of those things where I want to give some respect to the volume at hand and not just say the change of pace backup is better because he averages more yards per carry. But this is a situation, Kevin, where when we see Jalen Warren, I believe five or five and a half yards per carry, you can have the conversation. It's not Leonard Fournette and Rashad White where both guys have been really bad, you know, at the same opportunities. Warren does qualify a little bit more in the Khalil Herbert, Tony Pollard side of things. Before we move on to the AFC South, want to give some quick shout-outs to our lovely sponsors out there. First of all, got to give some love to our guys over at Underdog Fantasy. Even though best ball mania has ended, underdog fantasy is still the easiest and most fun way to spice up the football season with their pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats. Pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that number in this week's games, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. All you got to do is pick between two and five players for your pick'em entry, get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. It's simple to get started. Just head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up a promo code PFF and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code PFF. Get in on the action today. Also love our friends over at Western Southern. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Oh my gosh, Kevin, breaking news. Tell the people. Yeah, this is legit breaking news here because I just, it just came out and tweet two minutes ago. Um, okay, here we go. Free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. confirms that he hasn't ruled out the possibility of joining the Chiefs. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> That's a Hasn't rolled it out. Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, legit news. Traylon Burks designated from return from IR. So, hey, they need someone to throw it to. If Malik Willis is playing, you can, I think you can keep him on your bench. I think you can keep – you know what happened? I accidentally, in one of my leagues, I wasn't checking. I started Robert Woods in one oh, of my no. leagues because I wasn't paying attention. How dare you? Zero, zero wide receiver receptions with Malik Willis. I thought Tannehill was going to play, and then I forgot that he wasn't playing. And I, by then, I couldn't switch out anyone, and it was a disaster. I was uh, doing my ranks last night, and I, I think I tried to rank Woods um, like 58 or something, but I accidentally left out the eight. So I was uh, like importing, I was inputting them elsewhere, and I see like Robert Woods wide receiver five, and I just had like to oh. jump back and started cracking wow. up. So I like that. That's a bold call. That's a yeah. bold, the bold call going on there. Certainly, so Traylon Burks. I mean, Woods might just be not good, also, right? So Woods not good. Westbrook Akine, whoever else out there. Um, for the first time ever, I actually saw some quotes from Mike Vrabel saying positive things about Traylon Burks and how he'd been working out and doing stuff. You know, normally when he's talking about Traylon Burks, it's like he gets indigestion while he's talking about him. So um, maybe there's a possibility for Burks. Lottery ticket on the waiver wire yes. if you're able to get him. But guys, cannot overstate how low the floor is in this passing game. Still the only team in the NFL with zero top 24 wide receiver finishes on the season. But yeah, conveniently, we are talking about the five and three first place Titans in the AFC South at this moment. This week, they are home against the Broncos. Titans favored by three points. Game total a week low, 39 points. So 
Malik Willis, we got the primetime game. Kevin, I don't think I've ever seen people call for a benching based on a drop pass down the sidelines, but that was pretty much what we had going there after, you know, Malik, hey, made some good throws. It was definitely an improvement from what we saw in, uh, you know, week eight going out there. But at the same time, man, it seemed like every single play was either a read option we're going to throw the ball down the sideline on the first read, or it's going to be some sort of screen. So definitely still an offense that's limited and just the complete disrespect for Ryan Tannehill. Again, I know it's Twitter. I know it's prime time, but how many games and years does this guy have to be a really good quarterback working with pretty much nothing other than AJ Brown, who's incredible, but let's face it. We're watching what happens when you take him out of this passing game right now. Where's the damn respect for Ryan Tannehill, Kevin? That's what I'm saying. Um, actually, I'm got. I got to look up here. I got to call out. This is gonna be a little PFF on PFF violence if I can find it here. Here we go. Whoa. Benjamin Brown, data scientist. It's a data scientist on data scientist uh, <laughs> of violence here at PFF underscore Ben Brown. Did this is during the first half of that of that football game? You know, because he had like one back shoulder throw and he threw that nice pass down the sideline, which was dropped. He says. If this Titans team goes back to Ryan Tannehill when he's healthy, they're making a fairly big mistake. Oh. I, I, just, I love Ben. I love Ben. I was having a there. discussion. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, Ben does so. It's like we have these, uh, you know, just developers chats and stuff. And the amount of things that Ben does behind the scenes that people have no idea about. Certainly love that guy and everything he does. But Ben, I'm going to have to take Kevin's side here. That is not a great take, my friend. Oh man, I was getting into I was getting into a little discussion like behind the scenes and the replies with some people about his first half, and I was like, well, he had you know fifty yards on a screen pass, and they're like, yeah, but the pass was dropped, and he's playing well. I'm like, dude, I sh- I should have been petty. Like, I'm not petty enough. I should have been petty <laughs> and gone back to that thread at the end of the game and be like, oh, just check it in, see see how you guys are doing over here, talking about how well Malik Willis is playing right now, because this is who Willis is. I mean, I'm sorry, he's not ready. I mean, it's almost getting to the point where. Like it's so bad that you're like, could it ever be ready? But at least run the guy. Why weren't they? I was shocked they even dropped back to pass as much as they did. At the, I thought at the end of that game, it was just going to be like, we're just going to take a knee and just clock this thing out. They, they're throwing the ball. Who knows what's going on there? Um, why isn't he just doing a read option every single every single time? Is it just because that doesn't work with Derrick Henry? I don't know. Derrick Henry only had 17 carries in the game. That was one of the more surprising things. And I think well, maybe a little. Downs. You need right, to be able they, to convert some first downs to, to get carries. That's also part of the problem. They couldn't sustain the drives. But yeah, guys, since Tannehill got to Tennessee, he is third. Third the NFL in PFF passing grade. And you can go look at passer rating, yards per attempt, adjusted completion rate. You're going to see a guy that's top 10. Now, he's not doing it with the same volume as these other quarterbacks. So I don't think we need to have discussions. Is Tannehill a top five quarterback? I'm not coming to you with that. But he's been really good over the past three years. And let's give him a little bit of respect as he gets back in this situation. So I'm with you, Kevin. They're not trusting Malik to even run. I think we would actually need Derrick Henry to also get hurt from Malik Willis to emerge as this great fan the asset i will say i am in you know some of these ffpc leagues where it really is more of a first or last mindset playing against you know five ten thousand entries and you do look at the titan schedule weeks 14 through 16 they get the jaguars at the chargers and the texans look 
I know roster spots aren't easy to come by, but Malik Willis and Dontrell Hilliard, low key, if Tannehill and Henry are hurt, a lot of ifs going on here, that could be a reasonable stretch there for some goodness. But if not, it's going to continue to just be Derrick Henry and nobody else. I'm not going to endorse Malik Willis. I mean, maybe it's possible, but... Like, you're going to say, okay, you're going to have to pencil in, like, 60 passing yards, and then everything else has to come around it. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I will say, Derrick Henry, just a cool style. I like to float out around this time of the year. Career yards per carry by month. In September, just 3.94. October, 4.45. November, 5.7. December, 5.5. January, 5.1. Isn't it great when the analytics tell us what our mind already knows, that trying to tackle this 270-pound behemoth gets a lot harder when the weather starts getting cold. So always a great day to be great when you're king. Henry, second place somehow. Three, five, and one Indianapolis Colts. This week they are in Las Vegas. Raiders favored by six and a half points. Game total 42 and a half. So the fantasy breakdown is easy. If Jonathan Taylor is able to play through the pain, you're going to have a hard time keeping him out of your starting lineup. All the bad stuff going on, be damned. Otherwise, Kevin, I want nothing to do with this Sam Ellinger led offense, just 19 points and 304 passing yards, zero touchdowns through eight quarters of action. I just want to get your overall thoughts on the Jeff Saturday situation. I mean, I certainly think it is a little bit. Uh, uh, ridiculous you know I, and if you want to say race played a part go ahead I think more than anything Kevin just it's this is a guy where look at all the coaches you've had on this staff and it's not like Frank Reich was there for just a year or two I mean this is a five-year really commitment and it's really hard for me to believe that Jeff Saturday was the most qualified guy out there so seems a bit unprecedented your overall reaction to Jeff Saturday now being the interim head coach of the in- Indianapolis Colts yeah yeah this was an insult to coaches of all Races, creeds, yeah. religions, um, position groups, uh, height, weight, Keep uh, going. everything, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, favorite colors, all the anyone <laughs> likes any of those. It's an insult to all coaches of all shapes and sizes here, and it just is. It seems like Irsay has has taken over, and if you've heard him speak. <laughs> Might not be the greatest thing. Might not be the greatest thing. Um, I think Chris Ballard is lost control at this point. And you, you can really point to not just this move, but some, some prior moves. It seemed like, you know, they brought Wentz in. And Irsay, after that loss against the Jags, he, like, put out some social media video. He's like, we got to get better, this and that. He pretty much demanded that he was that Wentz was out. So, whatever. You can't, like, it's not the worst move, but he's demanding it, and it's happening. He seems like he was driving, or at least a driving force behind Matt Ryan being benched. And, you know, they could have two more wins right now yeah. if, if Matt Ryan wasn't benched. They lost by a point to um, the Commanders. Lost. And the Patriots – they stunk just as bad offensively almost as the Colts did in this game. There's just their defense came through and was scoring and, you know, their special teams was scoring in this one. And now this looks like a complete move where I don't think Ballard was even on board with this because he said they met for several hours after Sunday talking about what to do. Probably Ballard saying, let's not do anything. And Irsay just saying, hey, I just met with Jeff Saturday last week when he was around with the Ring of Honor people. I talked to him for a while. This guy's great. Let's make him our head coach all of a sudden. Uh, it, it's 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 wild. And, you know, they have a bye is a late, late bye this season, if, like four weeks from now. But that, why didn't they just wait till then maybe to make a move rather than midweek where he's in here on a Monday interviewing coaches to try to figure out who could potentially call plays now that there's no one else around offensively to call plays. And they're like bringing in some guy who's like 32 to call plays now. 
it is a little bit to do, I think, with the decision as well. Matt Ryan's contract and some of the savings they're getting there. But again, yes. this team is still in second place somehow. And to your point, I mean, they're not far away from arguably vying with the Titans for first place. So it's very strange that, again, they created this seemingly phantom right shoulder injury. Like, can we call it that at this point? Because it certainly doesn't seem like Ryan has a chance of coming back in. And just to see a team with a lot of aspirations. Again, I mean, Reggie Wayne, I'm assuming, has stopped throwing up at this point from thinking Matt Ryan reminds him of Peyton Manning, but just a complete nosedive uh, from everyone involved. And it's an organization that I think was really getting the benefit of the doubt for a long time because of how consistently competitive they've been. And to give Jim Irsay a little bit of credit, I mean, he said it, every coach he's hired has had a winning record and all that. How much of that is Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck? And how much of that is the actual team involved? I mean, let's say like, if you knew Peyton Manning, how good, I know like generational prospect, you never know it's going to turn out. Like Trevor Lawrence was, was in that bucket and he hasn't been necessarily that great, but Peyton Manning. Okay, so Peyton Manning, second rookie of the year voting when he came in behind LaDamian Tomlinson. Second team all pro in his second season in the NFL. So he was like voted as being like the second best quarterback in the NFL. Andrew Luck, you could argue only having one Super Bowl over that entire time, having the combined records that they did that entire time, have difficulty even making the playoffs sometimes with Andrew Luck. Like they underperformed. Right, the, how they built the teams around those guys is probably underperformed versus what you could have expected from them. So no, no, I'm not, I'm not giving him too much credit with this one. And I think for Ballard had done a decent job building around there, but it's just one too many rotations on the quarterback, uh, you know, uh, uh, merry-go-round here, and then eventually it, it, one of them was going to fail, and that's Matt Ryan on in this circumstance. PFF, we had them. In our power rankings, is a 40% chance, almost 40% chance to make the playoffs when they benched Matt Ryan. Now they're at about 15%. My goodness. Quick little, I had to fact check you on Peyton being second because that surprised me with 28 freaking interceptions as a rookie. And you are correct. That was actually the Randy Moss year where he led the oh, way. Randy but Moss. You're right. But that's ridiculous, though, with Peyton. 28 picks. They had him ahead of uh, Fred Taylor, who had freaking 17 touchdowns and 1,600 yards. Just well, quarterback it's a little bias. bit of a different pick pick era. And actually, his efficiency was not that bad because he had okay. some yards per attempt and others. But, yeah, that, that will live in infamy also, those picks, because <laughs> now anytime a quarterback has, like, 30 picks as a rookie, they're like, hey, Peyton Manning had 30 picks as a rookie. It's like a little different era of people, but, yeah. It's fun listening to Peyton talk about it. Every time he's with like a rookie quarterback, he's like, don't be afraid to, you know, really get those interceptions up, get that, uh, you know, monkey off my (laughs) back there. But all right, third place, Jacksonville Jaguars at three and six. Last week I came out here, I listed a bunch of numbers, basically saying that Trevor Lawrence had been really mediocre to just straight up bad ever since the week two and week three where he was very good. So here are the PFF passing grades by week. Once again, you're not going to see too much of a difference if you go PFF pass grade, yards per attempt, passer rating, whatever floats your boat. So week one, 22nd on the week. Week two and week three, he was eighth and sixth. Weeks four through week eight, 34th. Remember, 32 teams in the league, that's not good. 22nd, 17th, 25th, and 29th. But in week nine, Kevin, second highest graded quarterback. And he looked great out there. I mean, two or three throws, you know, under heavy duress, man hitting him in the, you know, chin, still managed to stand in the pocket and make some great throws. And I really think that throughout this year, and, you know, I've kind of gone on saying that, 
Lawrence, to me, strikes me as just a little bit higher upside, more mobile version of what we see from Goff sometimes. And I mean that as a compliment because Trevor Lawrence, man, when it's working, it's working. The dude can make almost any throw on the field with that arm. And that mobility really, you know, yeah, you can say it's sneaky mobility because he's white, whatever you want to do. Like the guy is an athlete out there and he can cause a lot of problems in the run game. But the question, Kevin, again, week two, week three, week nine, really good and the rest of the season which is a lot more than three weeks not so good do you think we could get a second half boom from this offense to be fair still only a year and a half of trevor lawrence being an nfl quarterback i mean it's a great rushing offense right now they're yeah. highly highly efficient doing that part of that is trevor lawrence and what he's able to do and he's been very efficient running the ball he's been really efficient um, passing the ball too and dropping back the pass. The thing is, and this is the one thing where even if you look at, you know, his thirst trap, uh, like video clips that they're throwing out there of him making these passes. I, I, I saw one the other day where it literally had someone put a soundtrack below it with like some, <laughs> some music going on. And I was like, what's going on here? Is this on his like Tinder profile or something? And then, but you look at this game, they were down 17, nothing to the Raiders in this game. Trevor Lawrence had 31 pass attempts. That's it in this entire game. They are leaning on the run in these games because it has been so highly efficient. So I think that is another area where even when you have this, you know, upside boom game for Trevor Lawrence from his efficiency, his grading, everything else, if he was really on that level, he wouldn't have only passed the ball 31 times. He would have had 35, 40 pass attempts. They would have leaned on him a lot to get back into this game. They're still a little bit wary of him because of his propensity to not throw interceptions all the time, but to throw really bad interceptions sometimes. And that's something that could cap his upside, at least, and the pass catcher's upside in this offense. Travis Etienne, obviously the heart and soul of that run game. He'll need to keep on keeping on this week. And Kansas City, Chiefs nine and a half point favorites game total out of 50 and a half. It's funny, Kevin. I'm sure you've seen him out there that a fantasy receipts Twitter account. And hey, I'm, you know, I'm all for keeping I guys. Actually, I have not seen it out there. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> have it's... I been quoted out there? I hope not. Probably. I mean, look, it's hey, I, I respect the uh, overall idea of it. I think they've uh, it's like it's like cold takes. It's like freezing cold takes. Yeah, exactly. Now I think they've taken their foot off the gas, and I've seen some of their you know, receives just not be up to a bad, like there are plenty of bad takes out there. So that's my only thing. The overall yes. idea, great. But, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you know, it, when I said uh, what I got called out for saying like Alberto could be the Broncos number one tight end, like in March. Like, okay, if I said that, you know, in the summer, that's, you know, still maybe not the worst thing, but a little bit of context. But my point is with the receipts, I actually, I'm one of the guys they list where they go, these people self-submitted something. I got to pull that back, I think. I, got, I need to be back in their crosshairs because I am officially pulling back my bad take that Travis Etienne, worst case is DeAndre Swift, and best case he's Travis freaking Etienne because the guy's been a star, Kevin. We had the James Robinson stuff going on the first three, four weeks, but here we are nine weeks through the season, Travis Etienne, fifth in PFF rushing grade, yards per carry, missed tackles, force per carry. He's doing all this on the ground. I didn't even think that, like, if you would have told me, for example, that there was going to be a week, a six-week stretch where Travis Etienne had 11 catches for 93 scoreless yards, like, I would have been out on the guy, you know, compared to where I had him ranked early on in the year, but it just hasn't mattered because of how much they are feeding him on the ground. He's making the most of it. I do think we could see some of that pass game usage start to come to fruition this week. The Chiefs have allowed a league-high 63 receptions to opposing RBs. Now, a lot of that's a negative game script, you know, how they play defense and all that. But, again, the fact that ETN has been this consistent, rock-solid RB1 without any of the receiving work, I mean, you look at guys like Damian Pierce, Kenneth Walker, awesome in their own right 
But Etienne, I still think, has an even higher ceiling than those guys because they are willing to give him that receiving work when he can finally get there. Last point with the Jaguars, Christian Kirk does have 26 targets over the last three weeks. We've kind of seen it go up and down with the guy, Kevin. It looked like to start the year that Kirk was going to be this weekly top 15 option. I'm still teetering a little bit. This week I have him wide receiver 26. The head of guys like Deontay Johnson, Rondale, Michael Pittman, Cortland Sutton. Still behind, though, Devontae Smith, Brandon Ayuk, Jerry Judy. How do you feel about Kirk moving forward? Is that wide Has he earned just consistent top 20 treatment for you? I think so, but he's going to be on the lower end of that. And here's one thing about – go back to Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he weighs right now. Like, I, had, I don't have anyone in the locker room providing me with that information. But I think what's interesting about him – is he weighed in at 215 pounds at the NFL Combine. So I think we get this view of him as being like a satellite-ish or a receiving sort of back. I mean, Kenneth Walker is like 211 at the Combine. I think um, Javante Williams – well, not the Combine because they didn't have the Combine that year. But I think at his pro day was something like 212, something like that. So, you know, ETN can hold up in these circumstances. So that's what really gives him that that strong upside there. Yeah, but when it comes to the pass catchers, I mean, we have Kirk. And, you know, that's probably about it <laughs> that, we're, that we're talking about as far as as far as the guys there. Um, maybe some desperation on on, uh, you know, bye week filler type of action. That's about all you're looking for in this offense, because it's really the running game they're leaning on. And the defense is playing fairly well, too. And that's going to be their formula. It is good that the Jaguars obviously have a handle on Etienne's weight because he has, man, last week he got a touchdown, but Crosby ripped the ball out like just after he crossed it. He had a goal line fumble earlier in the year. He had that play, I think, against the Giants where it got knocked out at the five. Like he's messed up on several occasions. And the Jaguars are like, nah, you're our guy. No worries. But yeah, I love our fine friends over at Player Profiler and Travis Etienne, uh, BMI, which is a pretty good way of, you know, getting the actual uh, just how big a running back is. 70th percentile for Travis Etienne. So certainly not satellite back, and he's not being used that way accordingly. Your last place, one six and one Texans at the Giants this week. Giants favored by six and a half. Game total at 40 and a half. I don't think we can trust Brandon Cooks getting a full-time role in his first week back, you know, after having just these issues with the organization. And that takes us to just all we ever talk about with the Texans, uh, Kevin, is that Damian Pierce is really good. He gets 20 touches, and we just talk about the running back here. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a good game against the Giants. Dead last the uh, defense and yards before contact, allow per carry, and that's about it. You got anything to say about the Texans? Just such a such a great organization over the years. Um, I mean, Nico Collins, I think, I think is coming back. I don't know. I've been talking about Nico Collins for a while. I don't know why I've been talking about Nico Collins. But I think I had him as one of my like potential breakouts. Maybe someone should 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 tweet me on that. Maybe they should <laughs> put me on that there. They probably should have gotten you for that Albert O take for just not being strong enough. Honestly, that one that was just being like, dude, come with some some really fierce stuff. Speaking of not being strong enough, I had to pull this up. I thought it was hilarious that this was quoted from this very podcast, Dwayne McFarland. Uh, oh, <laughs> did you see that. that the BFF fantasy account put this quote yeah. out for him where it says, and I quote, he's talking about Kadarius Tony. He's clearly good enough to be maybe the best <laughs> wide receiver on the team. Whoa there. Slow down, buddy. <laughs> it's, too, it's too hot. Oh, hot. 
it's, you know, so yeah. There's a certain segment of people I've seen on Twitter that I'm pretty sure the only thing they hear from me are the, you know, three or four quote tweets that the PFF <laughs> fantasy crew will pull up. And I guess that's why I kept, you know, I, I shoot off my helicopters on Twitter every Sunday and they come crashing down, you know, four hours later, like freaking clockwork uh, over the years. But, you know, we do freaking, you know, you do seven yeah, podcasts, yeah. seven articles. Like, guys, what the fuck, man? Why, 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 why are you putting that out there? I must have said something that was better than that during the, during the podcast, but go ahead. All right, awesome Texans discussion. Let's move on to the AFC West here. First place, six and two Chiefs. Mahomes, MVP front runner, and then everyone else. I mean, it's incredible what he's still managed to do without Tyreek Hill in this offense. Just hasn't even skipped a beat. League high, 2,605 passing yards and 21 scores through the air. And guess what? Tyreek's keeping on, keeping on without Mahomes as well, leading the league in receiving. So both borderline aliens. And yeah, just Patrick Mahomes. I know last week uh, it was a lot closer than I expected. I mean, only three pass attempts away from breaking the NFL record. But, you know, I was saying this Sunday night, Kevin, I, the fact that Mahomes is as good as he is, like running, is just such a cheat code on top of everything he obviously brings to the table as a passer. Like, I truly feel like if, the, if Mahomes, like a genie told him, like, all right, you can't throw the football under any circumstances. You're not allowed to throw the football, but the defense doesn't know that. I think the dude could just scramble for like 200 yards a game. It's incredible the way he consistently gets angles on guys that are faster than him. His scrambling is unbelievable. So just, yeah, is Mahomes your MVP through nine weeks? I think he is. I mean, it's close, though. There's some other guys. Obviously, Josh Allen, I know he had a down week, and you know. maybe he'll be injured, so that's going to be a bit of a problem. But he's in the <laughs> he's in the mix there. Tua, Tua MVP. Ty, I saw someone say Tyreek Hill for MVP, and I was like, okay. I, I, they, you know, Someone has to come up with some non-quarterback, yeah. <laughs> and it's tough at running back this year. to like You can't do the Jonathan. Jonathan Taylor's out there. No one's, you know, Derrick Henry, you know, he wasn't kind of middling at the beginning of the season, things like that. So I guess Tyreek Hill with the possibility to get 2,000 uh, receiving yards. What I need, though, is we need some – I need like a double hot take where you could say Tyreek was holding Mahomes back or Mahomes <laughs> was Tyreek back. Both of those I think we could just say at the same time. Somehow it could be logically consistent but at complete opposite polar extremes at the same time. This week home against the Jaguars, favored by nine and a half, game total at 50 and a half. So with the new Kadarius Tony uh situation going in there, looked explosive as hell. It's out clearly there. maybe good, you know. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> clearly, maybe. But uh, Juju right now, really the only full-time wide receiver. We saw MBS's routes even take a hit there. So in past weeks, it was Juju and MBS really playing the same amount of snaps and run the same amount of routes. But MBS did take that small step back. So I think it's Juju and it's Travis Kelsey, man, because the running back room, you know, we keep talking about Pacheco versus Claude Evers and you look up at the end of the game and it's Jarek McKinnon is the one actually playing the majority of the snaps, just not the first snap. So he doesn't actually get called the starter with it. So running back room's a mess. Again, the wide receiver rotation is still evolving. I guess the only question is because Juju has, to be fair, now had three or four straight weeks of solid production. I think he's earned weekly wide receiver two treatment and that's fine and dandy. What about Miko Hardman, Kevin? Because it is weird how if anybody else on this team, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, MBS, Kadarius Tony, Lord knows, if any of those guys had scored four touchdowns in their last two games, we'd be losing our minds. But it's Miko Hardman, so we're just like, eh. Yeah, I mean, there were like pop passes and uh, end fancy points, sort of fancy points. Yeah, no, no, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. That's yeah, I I think it's fine. But let's face it, you're probably going to be fooled more often than not going forward for that. So I agree with you. It's Kelsey, it's Juju, that backfield. I think if you look over time, 
and this is probably not going to, it's probably not going to stop over the next couple of years. Like the amount of words that have been written tweets about mind thoughts and time and energy that has gone into trying to figure out the chief's backfield for fantasy purposes <laughs> and how you can win with this backfield because it's such an extremely good offense. And then the entire time is going to be like, you might as well have just been rostering running backs from other teams because it's just not going to happen. Really is wild. And you look at Andy Reid's history and guess what? You're going to see one awesome fantasy running back after another. Guess who he also didn't have over the years? Patrick freaking Mahomes. So that's why maybe we're not seeing the running backs get the same sort of usage. But last point in regards to Hardman, I will say, yeah, he had the season high nine targets last week. I don't think Mahomes is going to be throwing 68 or whatever it was pass attempts every single game. And if you look past that, this is a situation where just four rush attempts on the season hadn't had more than five targets in a game since week one prior to last week so i do agree with kevin overall and actually it's five touchdowns in his last three games even so hey keep on keeping on me cool he's i hope you had him on your best ball team your best ball teams it is a situation where the dude's still only uh 24 years old he played cornerback entering georgia and like he just he came out in college like as a rookie and they drafted him 56 overall and that was the year that tyreek got hurt for a couple games and fancy is like okay me cool just stepping in for tyreek and yeah He's not Tyreek Hill. Who the hell is Tyreek Hill? Still awfully good at what the Chiefs See, Here's the thing play. about him. Last week, he had like two egregious drops, though. Like, he just does dumb things yeah. sometimes. I mean, one of them was like this great play that Mahomes made. He's rolling out of the pocket. He throws it downfield. It's low. It's a little bit low. It's like a, it would have been like a third and 15 conversion. Just thump. Like, you hear the, you hear the thump in him in the chest. And then I think he also dropped the third and one, which they ended up converting a four, the fourth and one after that. But still, it was like two egregious drops. Yeah. Well, the, four, the third and one, he had, to, he had to lean a little bit. He's really bad at like... There's a pass. You're like, oh, he'll be able to catch that. And you watch the replay and he's like, can't get to it. He's yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know what's he, there's he's got, he's got a little he's a little bit of a bonehead. Basically, he's a little bit bonehead factor for him. Ooh, fun fact. I was pro football reference page up. Actual name is Carrie Mecole Hardman. So maybe if he starts going by Carrie drops could fix. I don't know, Kevin. He hasn't tried it yet. All I'm saying. Second place, Los Angeles Chargers at five and three this week. At the 49ers on Sunday Night Football, San Fran favored by seven, game total of 45 and a half. So it's been a weird year with Justin Herbert. I think the same issues, if you want to call them that, have plagued him. I mean, look, he's 28th in big-time throw rate, and he's got the single lowest turnover-worthy play rate in the NFL. You look at his average target depth, and it's going to be around guys that you wouldn't expect it to be around when you have a freaking cannon for a right arm like Justin Herbert. Now, last year, I think it was easier to be like, how come we're not throwing the ball? downfield more because he looked at it healthy Keenan healthy Mike Williams Jalen Guyton Josh Palmer plenty of options out there this year all those guys have been hurt at one time or another so last week we got Michael Bandy DeAndre Carter Josh Palmer like that's why freaking Austin Eckler is on pace to catch 128 passes I don't think that's the right path to success for a passing game look at the McCaffrey led passing games over the year you should be throwing the wide receivers more than running backs but I just don't like they haven't had choice, man. So Justin Herbert, man, I how has your opinion really changed on him over these first nine weeks? Because 12th in PFF passing grade, passer rating, 29th in yards per attempt. I mean, a lot of stats tell you that he's been much more average, I think, than his reputation. But again, when you add in the context of just how little he's really had to work with, I am willing to give him a pass on these first nine weeks. Yeah, yeah, little, little to work with combined with the rib injury and things like that. I'm not giving him a pass. I think you could, I mean, you could argue that 
depending upon what your expectations were coming to this season, my expectations were extremely high for Justin Herbert. You could argue in some ways that he's had the most disappointing season of any of these high-end quarterbacks. Yeah, Russell Wilson's been bad, but, you know, he kind of had these bad phases before. He hasn't been great. Yeah, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have fallen off, but, you know, they're like 44 and 37 or 38, I think Rodgers is right now. A lot of problems going on with those teams around them. Herbert's the guy who's supposed to be establishing himself ideally as a top three quarterback along with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes this season, and it hasn't been close. So, again, I think you could say it's pretty disappointing. I mean, it's pretty disappointing to look up and see they're seven-point underdogs. I know the 49ers are a good team, but that's a big spread for what was supposed to be a complete team this year. I think just nothing has really gone right around this team, but they're still, I think, a game behind the uh the chiefs right now so hey if they can win this game they play the chiefs the week after that they win that game they're almost like they're almost at the point where they're tied with the chiefs uh for for the division so there's a possibility to turn around but it needs to start now for the chargers obviously you know defense supposed to be more of a juggernaut than it has been you lose you know joey bosa and jc jackson things aren't going to be all that easy for you i understand jackson wasn't exactly living up to that contract before he got injured but still a starter nonetheless uh this week josh palmer really the only other guy look uh gerald everett going to be tough to keep out of the top eight especially with it maybe even top six honestly with his usage looking better than ever and donald parham on ir obviously austin eckler you know if you want to rank him rb3 rb4 instead of rb1 Go right ahead. You're still starting him in lineups of all shapes and sizes, obviously. The bigger question is Josh Palmer. So I was a little bit off on Palmer last week. I knew the matchup was great, but we had seen, man, like weeks one through five without Keenan Allen and really not that much was going right for him. Had just one game with more than 30 freaking receiving yards. But you take away Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, all of a sudden the guy has 22 targets over his last two weeks of action. So I've adjusted. Kevin, I now have Josh Palmer as my wide receiver 22 ahead of guys like Judy, Ayuk, Devante, and Christian Kirk. Are you comfortable continuing to fire up Palmer as a legit wide receiver too, as long as both Keenan and Mike are out of the picture? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, but then again, it wasn't like he was dominant as far as his target share. I mean, if you look at last week, he had 24% of the targets last week. DeAndre Carter had 16%. Michael Bandy, 18%. Uh, Gerald Everett, 18%, and then the rest of it going to Austin Eckler at 21%. So I think it's one of those situations where you're going to hope you're going to get high-value sort of targets from him, maybe get a touchdown from him, and he's still going to be clocking in around the 20% mark. He's not someone who's going to jump up into the high 20s or something when there's literally no one else of note in uh, for wide receivers out there. Uh, but we'll take it, of course. Third place, three and five Broncos coming off a bye in week eight. They had that 21-17 win over the Jaguars in London. Road game, you know, hostile environment against Jaguars faithful in London. And after that game, Kevin, it was just surprising to me, like, how much of a breath of fresh air that felt like. They scored 21 points, and it was like, oh, look, they're kind of starting to give us what we were hoping for. I mean, that was the second time all season they scored 20 points. This is still the only team in the NFL without even three games scoring more than 20 points. They're 30th on the season in scoring, 29th in EPA per play, 23rd in yards per play, 28th in scoring drive rate. So this week, they're in Tennessee. Titans are a three-point home favorite. Game total only at 39. You just said you know, a couple minutes ago that, Russ, we have seen him have some lows throughout his career. I remember that one Seahawks year where the first eight weeks of the year didn't have much going on. Then you look back at the second half and he won a lot of people their fantasy championships. So 
Are we seeing that out of Russ? Is the comeback imminent, Kevin? Or is this just still a very, very bad offense? Yeah, I think it's probably a bad offense. And even if he gets a big uptick in efficiency, number one, I don't think you're going to get, let's say, the 300, 400, 500 rushing yards per season that you used to get from him, which helped provide it a nice floor, even if you weren't getting volume. And in some ways, the fact that they might have the best defense in the NFL. I don't know. The Broncos are up there. They're definitely in the top five defense in the, in the NFL. The fact that you have that also does not, you know, make sure there's no, it's unnecessary to really pass the ball a lot or sling it around a bit here. Uh, and we're talking about facing the Titans, right? So it's going to be a lot of running, a lot of clock running, and they are not afraid to run the ball also for the Broncos. I think because of that, it just really limits his ceiling, even when he is being efficient like he was in their last game. Now, when you look at the Titans, they do have the third worst defense and PPR points per game allowed to wide receivers. But so much of that is coming from Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes putting up big numbers on them. And while maybe Russ has, you know, been in that conversation in past years, certainly not any time over the past two or so. So I would say Judy over Sutton at this point. We've seen enough evidence to go ahead and make that move. But even then, Jerry Judy, I still have a hard time getting him in the top 20 with any level of confidence. Corlin Sutton, man, like, I, I don't want to say cut them just yet, but we're getting there, Kevin. Over the last month, six catches, 50 scoreless yards. I, I know Russ has missed some time. I know they had a bye week in the last month. Come on, that should be a bad game. Not three freaking combined games for Corlin Sutton. This week, I have him ranked wide receiver 30, and, and that feels high. Like, Kevin, Corlin Sutton, would you rather start him or like George Pickens and Wandale Robinson this week? Because I think it's a very good, very good question. Yeah, I don't know. Wandale, I think I need to see something after that really down week that he had. I mean, Pickens, yeah, I could see Pickens going above him. I mean, it's weird. I think it's the second time that we said this, or I've said this, but potentially for this team, is this like uh, Greg Dolchich is all you're really talking about maybe yep. for this for this team, for these pass catchers. And imagine having thought that at the beginning of the season, yeah. that he would be your most confident start amongst the wide receiver and tight end group. Done with all the running backs, especially with Chase Edmonds now potentially factoring into the equation. Was already a 50-50 split. We couldn't feel good about adding Chase Edmonds to the equation. Do not start them. But yes, to Kevin's point, Greg Dolchitz. Tight end six in fantasy points per game. Only behind Kelsey, Andrews, Goddard, Hawkinson, and Ertz. Shout out Scott Barrett, former PFF employee, now doing great things over fantasy points. Most receiving yards by any tight end through the first three games of their career. Number one, Aaron Hernandez. Number two, Randy McMichael. And number three your boy Greg Dolchich takes us to the last place two and six Raiders their only wins this year are over the Broncos and Texans now they have blown some just ridiculous leads time and time again I mean if they just could have held on to I believe three separate 17 point advantages they have had throughout the year you know we could be looking at a five and three team much different conversation going on that said you do add up the stats and I don't think Carr had the same level of hype as Justin Herbert necessarily going through the year, but I know a lot of you were touting those Derek Carr to lead, you know, the NFL in passing yards tickets, and it looked like it was a good enough situation. Weapons all over the place, and I know Renfro and Waller have been banged up. You know, Adams was sick there for a little bit, but at the end of the day, I took all the NFC West and AFC West quarterbacks. I used all the stats I always talk about. PFF passing grade, passer rating, yards per attempt, just completion rate, big-time throws and turn-worthy plays. Took their ranks and averaged them out, and when you do that 
Mahomes is the second overall quarterback in the NFL. Geno Smith is third. Jimmy G, 10th. Justin Herbert, 14th. And Derek Carr at 16th. He's been dirt average in an offense that has really hoped for him to be a lot better given all the weapons that he does have around him, which takes us to the question, Kevin, is Derek Carr starting week one for the Indianapolis Colts in 2023? Oh, I don't know. Is he starting for the Indianapolis Colts? Is he starting for the, the Jets were being talked about, bandied Ooh. about, but now I see that Zach Wilson is playing a little bit better there. Yeah, I think a split is likely for them only because I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to be a one and done here. And I don't really see how this relationship makes it forward to another season. So because of those two things, it's just weird. They're just like disconnected. They had this huge connection going on between Carr and Devonte Adams in the first half. And then it went away in the second half last week, you mentioned the 17 point comebacks. Like this is by far the most that that's ever happened to a team in a season. I think it's only happened five times over you know the course of the last few years and three of those times are with the Raiders this season uh don't have a lot to say about the Raiders I know Josh Jacobs you're still playing him even after a couple of d- disappointing weeks there you, you could start Foster Moreau as far as a spot start if um Waller's not going to be playing and then maybe get excited about firing up that Raiders defense against <laughs> I guess the Indianapolis Colts offense and Jeff Jeff Saturday, although I might be a little bit, I don't know what's going on here. So here's a breaking news here. So Ooh. Jeff Saturday on going for short yardage stuff, aggression, fourth downs. He said, I'm an offensive lineman. I work too hard to get points. I'm going to take points. Isn't that like the wildest part? Like the whole anti-analytics argument comes down to people wanting more field goals and like punts. Like that's the you wild part to me. I looked these stats up because you know how Irsay mentions specifically analytics that coaches get afraid, and when they get afraid, then they they turn to analytics, and that's why it's good that Jeff Saturday like doesn't know anything. It's um, like his mind is blank, so that's a good thing. But you know these guys are all just prisoner of the moment. The Colts are second worst fourth down conversion rate this year, twenty three percent. So they're like, oh, this doesn't work. Last year they were sixty three percent. They were in the top five. So it's like. Yes, sometimes it doesn't work, but the whole point is you continue to do it because you see the variance there, but you start to have a bad run and these owners and other people just start running for the exits. Maybe he talked to Jeff Setter and he's like, what do you think about fourth downs? He's like, never go for it. He's like, okay, you're hired. Boom. And, and then the comeback's always like, well, you got to you gotta know the elements. You got to have a play in mind that you trust your team to be able to execute. Like, yeah, aren't those, you know, jobs of the head coach to be able to have plays that their players can execute and gain <laughs> yeah. yardage? Like, I so thought like, that what was... If- what if my left tackle has an ingrown toenail and uh, and he hasn't wrapped his ankles wrapped and he's going up against this? And it's just like, oh, God, what if? The-? But so anyway, Jeff Saturday, we could see 1955 style football also in this one combined with Sam Ellinger and this and that. Uh, do not expect fireworks from this Colts offense. And maybe, you know, Max Crosby and some other guys can get some sacks or do something defensively. And with all that, the Raiders still somehow only favored by six and a half at home came total at 42 and a half. But yes, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, theoretically Darren Waller, the only guys you can real tr- uh, really trust. Final note, though, I will give Josh Jacobs a little bit of credit for last week. Really did make the most out of a horrific situation. 66 of his 67 rushing yards came after contact. And the dude forced 11 missed tackles on just 17 carries. We see enough bursts from Josh over the years to, I think, give him a little bit of credit in that missed tackles metric. 
contract that we are always barking about. So yeah, Raiders Colts, don't miss it. And don't miss our next episode of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast when Kevin and I go through all the NFC teams in about five minutes after I refill my favorite coffee cup in the world. It's just the perfect size, you know, best gift my fiance ever got me. Kevin, other people know that what you got over at PFF.com this week. Yeah, quarterback rankings updated now. This is not like who I actually think is the best guy, but Tua, you know, he's number one in our grading. He's number one in efficiency. So guess what? He's number one according to the analytical rankings that I put up. First time he's been there. And let me just say, if anyone is trying to build engagement out there, send some positive stuff out there about about Tua. Because Tua Non and these Dolphins fans are absolutely insane, which I don't quite get because did you know that they were this big of a factor, these Dolphins fans out there? Were they quiet because the Patriots were dominating that division so long? I just assume Miami people wouldn't give a damn about sports and they'd just be out doing their Miami life. But, man, these people are intense out there. I bet I'm going to tweet just Tua right now, nothing else, T-U-A, and I bet by the time we're done recording NFC, I'll have over 100 likes. So (laughs) tune in. We'll see how that goes. But, yes, a lightning rod for uh, Twitter interaction out there. And apparently uh, apparently Mr. Elon Musk is going to maybe help make the Twitter content people making money, but then he's also going to charge us, and I don't know what the hell is going on. They rolled out a feature. Twitter rolled out a feature of putting a check mark, like a kind of a a lower check mark that said i forget what it said it was like some sort of it was like a verification of who you are sort of thing they rolled it out and then and then killed it within like 45 <laughs> minutes so they're they're iterating over there we'll give them we'll give them credit i have no idea what to think about any of that because i feel like you know it's just there's certain people out there where they can make a great or a bad decision and there's just going to be a ton of people saying that it was a great or bad decision regardless of what the actual decision was so i'm going to continue to stick in yeah. my lane of just you know talking about fantasy football and occasionally some other dumb bullshit so with all that in mind appreciate you guys tuning in as always for kevin i'm in thanks for tuning to pff fantasy football podcast and until next time take care everybody <laughs>